I can make all this unpleasantness go away. But you have to win it from me. The world's on fire. And there's nobody to put it out. Joining us on Moving Radio today are three filmmakers that have come out with a brand new full-length feature film that has been shot, made, edited, crafted, born in good old Edmonton, Alberta. That's right. The film in question is called Spin the Wheel, and it's just in process of getting seen by other people. So this is kind of like ahead of the curve, friends. Uh, you're not going to be able to see this right away, but we are going to talk about what that journey is going to be. Joining us today is Preston Iwasiak, who's the producer of Spin the Wheel. Also, next to him is Neil Chase, co-director, writer, and also co-editor of the film, and David Haycock, co-director, score and editor gentlemen welcome moving radio thank you thanks for having us thank you yeah it's good to have you look people who know you will know your voice right away they'll be like oh that's preston talking so don't feel (laughs) the stress of having to say who you are i might direct it at somebody you can throw to each other but yeah don't have to worry about that The, the audience will look at you as one entire being so don't sweat it let's talk about spin the wheel It takes place in a basement bar. And if you're super familiar with it, when you see it, you'll know exactly where it is. While the world is on the brink of an apocalypse. So we've got a bunch of strangers in a basement and spin the wheel is kind of an allusion to this game of Russian roulette. They're playing with the devil. That's the short version of the story. That's the elevator pitch, I guess. Why don't you guys, since you are, uh, you know, aware of it intimately because you thought it up, you crafted it, you created it. Tell the audience a little bit more about Spin the Wheel. Neil. Certainly. Yeah. Yeah. The the idea for the film came from, I guess, my love of genre films to begin with, but then expanding into disaster movies. And there's always this theme in disaster movies where, where, it's all about some hero who traverses the world, who goes out of his way to go into outer space or something like this. And meanwhile, the rest of the world, the 99.9999999% of the rest of us are just sort of sitting there waiting for this inevitable end to happen and really have no say in it one way or the other. And that was kind of the genesis of the story. Uh, I thought rather than looking at it from that hero standpoint, looking at it from the ordinary person standpoint, what do the rest of the people do in times like this? And I kind of threw this question out to all the people that I knew. I said, if the world was ending and you knew it was going to end in just a couple of hours time, but there was nothing you could do about it, what would you do? Most people gave me the same answer. They said, I would want to be with my friends and family in my last hours. And then that brought up an interesting question for myself, which was, what if you couldn't? 
where would you go then? And almost exclusively, the answer I got was, I would find the nearest bar and I would get drunk. And that was kind of where the idea started. So I thought, what if we had this collection of people who knew that the world was ending, but for one reason or another, they had no one to be with in their final moments. And so it's this group of strangers who are kind of cut off from the rest of the world. And while the world is kind of going to hell in a handbasket outside, they don't want to take part in that. They don't want to be part of the rioting, looting, the violence, whatever the heck is going on, this chaos. They would just like to sit in this little quiet corner of the world that they found and drink it away. And in doing so, they kind of find a connection with each other. Being a genre fan, I thought I'm going to throw a supernatural monkey wrench into the twist where one of the strangers is the devil or presenting himself as the devil. Is he really the devil? Well, it's for the rest of the people to find out. But he gives them an ultimatum, kind of a choice for them to play Russian roulette with him for a chance to save the world. And that's really kind of where the story takes off. Neil just talked a lot about forcing these characters into uh, one space. And and we've kind of seen that. Yeah, it's uh, I mean, it makes it a little bit easier to shoot. It's more controlled. But I, I do like the fact that this is less about they're on the run from that threat that's outside. It's more like that threat's going to happen whether or not they're on the run. So what I liked about this is that each one of them kind of has to face something different. Uh, sometimes it's external, sometimes it's internal. Uh, it can be fear. It can be some, you know, own pressures that they're dealing with themselves, some sort of past event that's happened to them that shaped who they are right now and have to face that. So talk just a little bit about maybe negotiating that uh, as writers, uh, as a director, about going through what is like this intense pressure cooker for each one of these characters and juggling the fact that you have several people uh, that, you know, are looking to nail their performance, but you as filmmakers have to be like, look, it's a delicate balance to like focus on each one of these characters. So talk to us a little bit about that. And if you want to go into some detail about some of those characters. Uh, It's an extremely personal journey for these people. And I think that's what's going to help drive this film is people will attached that there's enough variety in this film of characters that somebody will find themselves in one of them or maybe two Mm. and what we did as as on the directing side was to really get um a, a personal deep response from each of these actors who did a phenomenal job made our job pretty darn easy to reflect on their own lives because I think a good performance has a certain amount of reality in it. And that's drawn from your own experiences. And everybody just bared their soul with these characters. And I think there's a bit of a parallel with the world as it is now anyway. Because you just turn on the news, it is chaos. You do want to escape, right? So it's not too hard to buy into. But we uh, we shaped it. We made it feel safe. I think that's the one of the main roles of a, a director is to make the environment safe for people to take risks and know if they do completely unravel, we'll put them back together safely. And they did. And some of these performances, I think are going to surprise a lot of people. Definitely. uh, Just adding to what David said here, you know, the, the characters themselves, the way the actors really kind of embodied the characters, the performances just became so incredibly honest. There's so many times in film, no matter what level of film, uh, whether it's independent film or even, you know, your, your huge multi, you know, hundreds of million dollar uh, blockbusters, 
you know, you always see a range of, of different acting. Uh, you, you see a range from, you know, actors that are absolutely, you know, stunning that no matter what they do, they just embody whatever character that they're, they're playing. You've got actors that, you know, they're one note and they, they play the same thing in every single movie, right? What was interesting in the process of making Spin the Wheel is, as, as a team, uh, you know, directors, producer, we saw performances come out of these actors embodying these characters and who they are that we actually had never seen some of these actors do before. It was really refreshing. It just brought a realism to the characters. You know, when you're seeing characters crying in this movie, those are real tears. I mean, they, they actually took time to collect themselves. They took time to really get into that mode. And when they brought the scene, we're all just sitting there in just complete silence as we're filming, you know, these scenes. And we're just like, wow. Yeah. And so we're very, very happy, obviously, uh, with the performances. And 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 through those performances, it, it really just brought these characters that are off the page that, that Neil so uh, crafted so well and, and just brought them real. And what we found now too, and I'm sorry, I might be a segueing a little bit here, cool. but uh, what we found too is in our test audience runs with the movie, people are really resonating with specific characters based on perhaps what they're going through in their life or what they're, how they grew up. And as a filmmakers, you couldn't ask for more. No, honestly, it's so uh, we're very, very happy with that part of it. If If I could just add to that, I had long discussions with each actor um, after the casting process was completed. And we talked about the character, the story, the mindset of the character, as well as the mindset of the actor going into it. And I think a lot of it came down to a position of trust um, on the part of, of both director and actor in the scene, in the sense that let's explore different things. Let's explore different avenues. I wanted them to have as much creative freedom with the role uh, as we could while still staying true to the to the script or to the words on the page and and Dave and I were were very much in agreement with this idea that people don't necessarily have to stick verbatim to the script they don't have to read it as is you know I'm not I'm not like this Shakespearean or or, or Tarantino-esque uh, director in the sense that like you have to say it exactly as it's written on the page uh, it's more along the lines of as long as you get the gist of the words say it in a way that's natural to you, say it in a way that feels like you would say mm -hmm. it. Because our process from the beginning was, you know, the moment you are cast in this role, this is you now, this is your character. You owe, you have ownership of this role. So with that comes a certain amount of responsibility, I think on the actor's part, but also a good amount of freedom. And I think that makes for a really great synergy in terms of creativity. We're speaking on Moving Radio today with Preston Wasiak, Neil Chase, and David Haycock. We're talking about their film, Spin the Wheel. Collectively, they are Brimstone Pictures, and uh, and this is the latest feature film product that they have coming out, filmed right here in Edmonton. So we've talked a little bit about the film. I know yeah, this is one of those movies you don't want to get, and I, and I can kind of see they're like, let's not give too much away, because I think there's a <laughs> lot going on that's really interesting, and it takes so many incredible uh, twists and turns that I think not only you talked about the actors going through this, but also I think the audience will in certain ways too. Do you feel like there's ever a time when you were like, oh man, we've thrown so much at the wall to see what sticks? Or do you feel like, you know, that's a delicate balance to see what services the film 
and maybe when you feel like, have we gone too far? As far as like throwing stuff against the wall to see what sticks, I, I think it's probably safe to say it for the three of us, we don't really work that way. We were prepped. Yeah, we uh, we spent a lot of time prepping this movie, not only from just you know script uh, review uh, and revision that uh, that Neil did. He did a few revisions. Neil and David spent a tremendous amount of time planning out every shot, planning out how we were going, what we were going to film on this day and that day. Because, as you know, in in, in independent film, um, we, we don't have an unlimited uh, number of days that we can film or an unlimited amount of money that that we can spend to make this movie. So, you know, we're working within uh, tighter timelines. We're working within what works with the location and what works with the actors and. And then, of course, you get thrown curveballs. Uh, so we stayed very focused on what we were doing on each day. You know, the cast and crew that worked with us, and they can attest to this, is because of the way we run our company and we run our films, you know, we're we're getting through the day. We're not standing around and wasting time. We're, we get through the day. We get what we have to do. And uh, many times we'd finish early, believe it or not, uh, when we're actually filming day after that, I think it was only one day we actually yeah. went over but on the days that we we finished early then we would have a discussion okay what else do we then it's time what do we want to do what do we want to play with and we did a little bit of that especially in the last couple of days which uh, especially in the b-roll um yeah. that that really added a richness uh basically we allowed the the, the camera operators to say yeah go film stuff just, just go and do things. So, you know, we don't mind being creative. We don't mind, you know, adjusting on the fly, but we're definitely not like, let's just film everything we possibly can, throw it against the wall, see what sticks. We just don't work that way. Yeah, there's a, sorry, there's a quick little thing. We, when Neil and I started breaking down the script, we realized, what, two or three days into it, Neil, that we had to kind of backtrack and mm -hmm. regroup because the amount of days we had, we're not going to get this thing done. <laughs> so we really had to get creative not only on on what we were going to film, but how we were going to organize and, and combi a lot of different shots. Mm -hmm. And that got us through pages, pages of film a day. And of course, running with a two camera setup, we didn't do a traditional match lenses. One camera was a long lens. One was, you know, a, a 16 or, or something like that. But the variety that it gave us and then the B-roll that we had in the edit process, we had so much we could work with. We took something that was probably 124 minutes of an assembly, a rough, down to 102 without losing any story. So we, we really finessed it. But it was all like Preston said in the planning, weeks and weeks and weeks of prep. We've talked about the film itself, but I think what's interesting here is that, you know, the three of you collectively have been like, uh, we're not just going to throw a director out there because that's generally what I get uh, most of the time is that that's my go to first. Right. I always want to talk to like who's the director as opposed to like necessarily stars. But it seems like you are this, uh, you know, cohesive unit. Right. As Brimstone Pictures. So let's talk a little bit about that production company, the formation of it, and maybe how all three of you look at like I feel different roles and maybe like you know how you come together is this kind of like the beastie boys blueprint you know? <laughs> you're finishing each other's sentences yeah. and cadence and rhyming perfectly i don't know we can dance too we'll dance All right. on radio sure we're dancing right now oh well uh the story the, the journey of brimstone yeah. pictures is interesting because uh brimstone pictures didn't start off 
as Brimstone Pictures. Once COVID kind of kicked in, all of us were just kind of sitting there and going, okay, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Before COVID, I was working on an IP uh, called Rutherford Manor, basically working day in and day out on, on that project. My brother and I had come up with an idea for just a short, just as a, a break. And uh, we came up with a concept called Bobageddon, uh, of which Neil came and, over and we wrote the Bobageddon together. I'm not going to spend too much time on that. That was just going to be a short where, you know, we just take a break from all of the other stuff that we're doing. Just have some fun with some friends. COVID hit. We decided to film uh, Bobageddon anyways. Um, while we were filming that and we were having so much fun together, we essentially learned that we like really like working together. Uh, I'd known Neil before, um, and then Neil and David knew each other, so Neil's the one who introduced me to David. During the filming of Bobageddon, uh, that's when we came up with the idea for Boneyard Racers, and uh, Boneyard Racers was basically going to be, you know, something, we decided to just do it, it was it was fun, Neil wrote something in literally at night, uh, after David and Neil uh, drove home uh, d- discussing the concept of racing horses and, and, uh, and, 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 and yeah, and, and hot cars. And goblins and ghouls, yeah. And, and so, you know, we decided, okay, yeah, heck, let's just do that. So, and I'm kind of abridging the story, but at that time, we were we had a, a little mini company called RCTV, and the whole concept was was literally just to you know start creating something of more quality. The original idea was maybe doing a little bit more comedy. Through that process, we learned that we actually we don't like doing comedy. <laughs> so. <laughs> We do and we don't, right? I mean, we like putting comedy in our films. Yeah. But you know, comedy is not our, our, our forte, whereas we're all huge genre fans. Yeah, we want to do cool and creepy. Yeah. So we've made Boneyard Racers. Uh, we decided to just go for broke on making that as a short film. And, uh, you know, um, a year later, you know, it's it's won, you know, 22, 23 awards. It's got distribution worldwide through Shorts TV. So during the process, as Boneyard Racers was continuing to grow and pick up steam, the three of us, uh, we, we became, I would say, pretty good friends. Uh, yeah. You know, mm-hmm. uh, we may not necessarily always agree, but one of the things that we we always said at the very beginning is it's it's a, it's a democratic process. If two agree on and one doesn't, then that's what goes. Uh, of course, we always have discussion. We don't fight. It doesn't mean that we don't disagree, but we always just we're grown ups. We're adults. We're going to sit. And we're going to talk about it, right? Even though there might be a little bit of emotion, but you know, overall, we've never lost it on each other, which is great, you know, and that's what you want on a partnership, right? Is somebody where we like the same things, we we enjoy the same things, but yet we all have different things we bring to it. So during Boneyard Racers, we realized, yeah, you know what, we're on to something here. Let's form a company. Let's get serious about this. And uh, so we formed Brimstone Pictures together uh, as an actual company. Uh, we're equal partners. It's a great partnership that, uh, that we feel works because we all bring something different to the environment, yeah. right? It's in, whether it's directing, producing technical talents on the film, marketing, uh, raising money, like it's just really a team. And our goal ultimately with Brimstone Pictures is is not to just be making, you know, one film every two years. We We would like to have multiple projects going at the same time, continuing to develop young talent and quite frankly bring this company to an actual film production company where we're working on multiple projects multiple people multiple talent and you know continuing to make a mark in pop culture which is quite frankly brimstone's primary goal is to make quality product that audiences genuinely enjoy that people who go to all the things that we love to do 
you know, comic cons and, and all of the, you know, the fun nerdy things. Cause quite frankly, the three of us are complete nerds yeah, and all the merch. <laughs> yeah. And, 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 and have fans really resonate to, to what we make. And we're, honestly, we're just making things we like. Yeah. That's, that's it. You guys want to add anything to that? Or? I just, I'm just in, loving this process. And I'll, I'll tell you, I've, I've been on a lot of big, you know, high budget things, thankfully, but I've never had so much fun. And I've also never worked as hard. Thing about independent film is you do a lot of jobs just to get the thing done. Yeah. And we all did a lot of heavy lifting. Everybody did. There's not very many of us, but but what we put into it was blood, sweat, and tears. And and we feel we feel proud about that fact. Right. It's yeah. it, it took a lot of effort, but Neil? Totally. To add to that, I think we each brought a different skill to the table. And I think that's why we work so well, because the thing that's holding it all together is that we have ultimately this love of story, you know, good story. And and that's like Preston says, that's what we're trying to sort of share with everybody else. Even Dave and I, as co-directors, we found this really wonderful process of working where we kind of divided the work that we never really overlapped too much or stepped on each other's toes. It was more a case of where I would focus on the performance side of things and, and the script. And then Dave would focus more on the technical aspects, the things like uh, shot composition, what kind of lenses are we going to use in these different shots, things like this. And then he would direct me if I was acting in the scene. So it was really great. Like it worked so well. And then every now and then, uh, you know, one of us would have an idea to say, hey, how about we try this? And then we'd have a quick little discussion or a talk off to the side and, and come to an agreement very quickly. Um, and then other times we would have this wonderful process of, hey, let's just try this. See what see what happens. Right. And yeah, we have uh, no idea. Let's just go for it. Yeah. Yeah. And it was great yeah. because, again, because we did all that planning up front, it allowed us the time to be yeah. able to throw in a little bit of that creativity maybe do it three takes the same way. And then the fourth take, let's just play with it and, and see what happens. And if that means, you know, like filming it a slightly different way, letting the actors uh, try something that they hadn't tried before, maybe a little bit of improvisation, something like this. And that's when you get those really magical moments on film, I find. And, and none of that would have happened. I think if we didn't have that, that cooperation and that level of trust with each other. We're speaking on uh, zoom today on moving radio with the creative people behind Spin the Wheel. It's a brand new feature film that's going to be uh, released soon. We'll talk about that in a little bit here. That's going to be one of our last things we talk about. Uh, it's Preston and Wasiak, Neil Chase, and David Haycock. Let's talk to people about maybe what they don't comprehend sometimes about independent film and stuff that maybe if you're from Edmonton, you're like, why isn't more stuff done here? I'm like, there's tons of stuff done here. I think sometimes it's about how much publicity does it get, uh, how much opportunities it get to be seen, and how often are you motivated to go out and see that? Because, it, I mean, it takes work on all levels. So let's talk a, look, a little bit about the journey that a film like Spin the Wheel takes. Now that it's pretty much done and you're ready to release it to the world, what's the process for you at Brimstone Pictures about getting this movie seen uh, and when people can maybe start to see it? I think for, for film in Alberta, there really seems to be kind of two avenues, mainly. Uh, one would be the service industry side of things. So this is where where essentially foreign productions play uh, uh, from L.A., Vancouver, Toronto, wherever, they come to film here in Alberta, usually because we have 
really good tax credits. We've got wonderful landscapes. Uh, nature here in Alberta is second to none in the world. Um, so, you know, productions like Hell on Wheels or The Last of Us, uh, Unforgiven, you know, we've got all these wonderful movies, TV shows that come here to take advantage of all of these benefits that we have here, uh, as well as, of course, the people. Uh, we have amazing cast, amazing crews here locally that, that I would put up against anywhere in the world. And so, of course, these productions, these outside productions want to come here and take advantage of it. So that's the one side of things. And that's sort of the big moneymaker, I would say, in this in this province. What's on a much smaller level is the homegrown independent film market. And this is really the one that that relies on not outside funds, but what can we sort of raise ourselves? Now, there's that in itself is a mix of usually sort of government uh, funding on, on a level where you're you're looking to get some sort of grant from various organizations. And then, of course, the private funding side of things where you're kind of just raising money. You're, you're putting your own money in. You're asking, you know, your 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 parents, your friends, uh, people that, you know, to come in, invest in your film. That's a much smaller subset yet. And that's kind of where we found ourselves with the film in the fact that it's it's hard. It's very hard to get uh, that government money, as as you can call it, um, because there are a number of independent filmmakers in this province. Everybody's trying to get a small slice of that pie, and that pie is not very big to begin with. And when you don't get that, well, then you have to do kind of that completely private route and getting it off the ground. And in order to do that, you have to be real, very much realistic as to what can you do with very little. None, you know, we don't necessarily have access to multimillionaires or billionaires who can just sit, write you a check for fifty million dollars and say, "Okay, away you go, uh, make your film with some big name star." No, we have to start the opposite direction, which is to say, "Okay, we're going to get very little money for this. So, how do we create a film?" with such small resources. And in our case, it, it came from the standpoint of, okay, I have to write a script that's primarily in a single location that has a small cast, small crew, where a little can go a long way. Mm -hmm. So you need to maximize all of those little things. And this is kind of the challenge, the big challenge for independent filmmakers in this province. And, and I've seen a lot of wonderful things come out of this province um, over the years. Where, where people have really sort of shown how much you can do with with very little. And uh, I think we just want to keep that trend going. And of course, try to make it grow. Try to make that independent industry, that homegrown industry grow within this province. So every time there's a success on that indie level, you know, we are we're cheerleading it as much as anybody else because it's this is great. This is something that that, you know, will raise everyone in this province. Absolutely. And, and you know, it it really does need to happen once a film once we finish a film and in, in you know whether it was you know boneyard racers or, or or this film is we know that that's only part of the work it it's it it's yes uh you know we've we've pretty much had to do it on our own we've had to raise the money on our own uh, find an investor you know we ran with a small crew we actually prefer to work that way to be honest uh we don't like running bloated being that, you know, we're doing the film very much, I guess you could say, almost like in a capitalist way, very American style where it's privately funded. You know, it's really, really important that the product is as good as we can possibly make it. We're not making money on the front end. 
we're gambling on the back end, really. So, you know, once uh, our products are finished and as people who have visited our websites or seen our trailers or as, as they know that we, we don't just stop and, okay, here's the film. We'll put it in three film festivals and, you know, hope for the best. No, it comes down to putting it in lots of the right film festivals, uh, which Neil is uh, is amazing at. It comes down to building a social media presence properly. It's building tertiary uh, visuals and products, such as, you know, whatever it is, film stills, uh, interviews, uh, building a great website, um, you know, casting crew, uh, promotion, uh, you know, talking about your product on a regular basis. It's, you know, tapping your contacts for for social media it's everything. It's even creating tertiary products like t-shirts, soundtracks. All of these things are coming out for Spin the Wheel as well. Spin the Wheel has many amazing musical artists that all local in Edmonton, ranging from, you know, country to electronica to rock to, you know, theatrical metal. So, you know, all of the artists that have, that have helped us as far as, you know, putting their music into our film helps grow that network of uh, exposure you know and as much as i i hate the e-word <laughs> <laughs> but it is so true it, it you know so then you build the soundtrack out of that which is yet another product that people can can latch on to because again music is such a powerful aspect in film as well so it, it's all of these things combined and so we know that once a film is done that's actually when the hard work begins this is the hardest part of yeah. of independent film it's getting your product out there getting it noticed it's getting people to resonate with it uh, and hopefully you've made the best product you can that they do resonate to and from what we've seen in preliminary uh review is people are resonating to the film and they are seeing what, what they want to see in the film as far as characters and story we're engaging the audience intelligently so hopefully that will bring in word of mouth we're like yeah i really love this film i love this this character i love what happened here and then they share it with their friends that is the hardest part of all of it in in any film yeah being pre-sold on on quality because they're seeing your content they're seeing your website they're seeing that the attention to detail is there so right off the bat they know this is something hopefully worth their time and then once they realize that it is a very well-written script it's very well executed in the, in the production. Then the audience is rewarded because, okay, I've, I've given my hour and a half, two hours to something that has satisfied me on many levels. It's, it's pretty easy to overlook a lot of the technical things because, you, you know, you want to get the thing done and you're, and you're tired and stuff. But we spent well over a year perfecting every little second oh, of this post, thing. Post-production. Yeah. yeah, the post was just huge. And now the next part of it, the business side of it, is also, like Preston said, the hardest part. Because now we have a product. We've invented something. Now we need to get it out there to the world. The film is spin the wheel. It, I've seen it. It does look sharp. I think all the hard work uh, has paid off. And this is just the beginning of the journey. So what will be interesting for me is that... Uh, uh, not only am I curious to see where it goes, but I'm really excited that hopefully we'll be able to talk again in a little while too to kind of see where the film has uh, it's led itself because that life is much longer than people think. This isn't one of those things where it's like, oh, we release it and it's in theaters for a couple of weeks and then it's gone to whatever streaming service. I'm like, 
this is a really interesting conversation because we're at the at the uh, stage one of it really being released into the world. So I appreciate you all taking the time to talk to me about this as we get, get to follow the journey of Spin the Wheel and the beginnings of Brimstone Pictures as well. Thank you. Yes, thank you. Yeah, thank let's you. let's let people know who are like hearing it. They're interested. They've heard some some uh, audio from the film because I've ripped it from your trailer. Uh, <laughs> that yeah, well, you know, you work hard on making sure those things are right. So I want to make sure it gets reflected. Let's let people know where they can find out more about you, find out more about the film, and connect with Spin the Wheel and Brimstone. The two best places to to see us is uh, just search for Brimstone Pictures on Facebook. That uh, we have a lot of active material that goes up on there please of course you know give us a like give us uh, a follow and uh additionally uh, our main website uh, www.brimstonepictures.com which will of course uh, highlight uh, all of our products and uh, and spin the wheel you can see the trailer there see film stills and uh, keep up to date on everything going on with us there as we've just started this sort of festival process we are of course going to be updating people with when and where they can see it uh, as knock on wood the acceptance letters start coming in. It's such a finicky process, the whole film festival thing. And I found, uh, you know, over the years, because I've done it so many times through my own scripts and, and other films I've been involved in, you can never predict which festival will will latch onto what you create and, and champion it and which festival will just simply ignore it and say, nope, this isn't for us. We found that out very much through Boneyard Racers. That was a really, really interesting process. Anytime we had any kind of expectations, we found it was completely blown out of the water one way or the other. It's great because you can still be pleasantly surprised. Let's put it that way through everything that you do. And this is just one of those other areas where we look to be more pleasantly surprised again. And as, as the uh, film hits the festivals and we get accepted and their showings, we'll definitely update everybody on Facebook. Yeah. Yeah. The good news for the audience out there is that if all goes well for Spin the Wheel, they might have to wait a little while to see it because you'll be so busy premiering at other places that uh, you might have to like pump the brakes on necessarily doing it here. So I hope that's the case, gentlemen. That is the hope. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Fantastic. Thank you so much for your time. Preston Wasiak, Neil Chase, David Haycock. The film again is spin the wheel. They are collectively brimstone pictures. Thank you so much for uh, sharing your time with us and the film. Best of luck here uh, as you move forward with this film. Thank, Thank you. you, Christian. Thank you.